0: Hi, I'm Shelly and I'm Nicole and you're listening to the baby pro podcast where we talk about everything
1: and anything related to pregnancy through the first year of your child's life. Every
0: episode we will discuss and interview experts on all the questions expectant and new parents want to know such as creating the perfect birth plan, infant sleep and tips and tricks for parenting a newborn. Welcome to the show. Hi, Nicole. Hey, Shelly. Welcome to the show, everyone. Yeah, welcome. We're going to jump right into our favorite of the week Uh uh-huh. for this week.
1: <laughs> Nicole, I will let you go first. Oh, well, mine was I tried something new this week, and I can't say it's a favorite. So I don't know if I'm doing it wrong. Maybe you guys could pipe in and DM Shelly, and you guys can help me out here. I tried the apple cider vinegar rinse for my hair in the shower today. And I felt like, I don't know, I think I still smell like a salad, and I felt like it did not make my hair as soft as I thought it would feel. It just was like after when I rinsed and I put my fingers through it, it felt dry to me, not soft. And when I did it, it didn't feel right, and I just feel like it's, I don't know. I don't know if I need to do it over and over, if it's something you have to get your hair used to. I don't have a clue, but it was a favorite fail. So... I like that. A favorite fail. favorite <laughs> fail. Yeah, it's kind of how it was. How about you?
0: you? I've never even heard of an apple cider vinegar
1: rinse. You just like rinse your hair with apple cider vinegar after you wash it and then condition it. And it's supposed to leave your hair really shiny, which it does my daughter, like beautiful and super okay. soft. It's supposed to close the pores of your hair
0: so it doesn't get as frizzy. <laughs> Look at the size of my hair.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Didn't work for me. So doesn't apple cider vinegar like change the pH? Mm-hmm. So maybe it's only, does your daughter have dried hair or oily hair?
1: Probably more oily. So maybe it works right? better. Like yeah. we are not here.
0: Experts don't send right. us pink. We emails. have no clue. I obviously from- have no
1: clue what I'm doing. 47 yeah. years of frizz, I don't know what to tell you. Yeah,
0: so maybe it only works if you have oily hair.
1: I don't know. I don't know. All I know is I felt like a favorite of the week failure this week, so.
0: You know what I also heard people do? Was yeah. put raw egg in their conditioner? I remember growing up, and my
1: grandmother had egg shampoo down the cottage at the Cape, and I always thought, like, is there egg in it? And I remember reading the ingredients, there was egg in it. Now, that mm-hmm. shampoo sat there for many millenniums, like many, many years, because... <laughs> It was like the cottage one, but everybody nobody wanted like the dollar shampoo mm. made of eggs. Mm. Again, I've heard of it. Do you know anyone who's done it and if it's worked?
0: No, I just read about it online, but I've never know, known anyone like personally. I imagine if you're using raw egg and just putting it in your conditioner. What I remember reading is crack a raw egg and put it in your conditioner bottle. I don't know if I'd do that because that's a long time for a raw egg to just right Ew, gross. Right.
1: Like it might get stinky. Right. Yeah. Okay. I don't know, but but I mean, I'm you know I'm following or paying attention to whatever it is the kinky curly hair girl, whatever, and they're talking a lot about protein shampoos and conditioners. So my guess is that's where that comes from.
2: Hmm.
1: I don't know. I'll have to read about it.
0: All right. My lash, my. My favorite of the week is I got some blue light blocking glasses Uh to wear in the evening because I'm usually on my computer charting client visits or answering client emails until nine o'clock at night where I force myself to go to bed said I actually get some sleep. Yeah. And as a sleep coach, I learned a lot about how the blue light from TVs and laptops and any screen really can really interfere yeah. with your circadian rhythm. It triggers your melatonin levels to actually go down when we want them to rise. Yeah. So you can get these blue light blocking glasses and wear them when you're you know, past a certain time in the day when you want to be going to bed soon and don't want that effect on your melatonin levels and circadian rhythm. I like that. Yeah, I've only used them one night so far. Yeah. That was last night. Mm-hmm. And we had that storm come through. Yes. And it woke me up at 2.30 and I didn't sleep. So I
2: can't really say yet if they're helping right. me
0: sleep better. Right. But, yep. but I'm excited. I actually got all the kids some of those classes. Yeah. Because they're up doing um, – because they're all remote learning now. Yep. So they're up during their schoolwork late at night you're going to pull your eyelash.
1: I have an eyelash. I'm <laughs> so like ripping out. it out. Yeah. That's okay. <laughs> Sorry. So I do have a pair of them, but Gracie uses them all the time. So mm-hmm. I can tell you that I've used them and I've liked them and she loves them. She raves about them, mm-hmm. which is interesting because this is a good segue to go to our question of the week, which has to do with infant sleep, right? Mm-hmm. So one of the things that when I have been talking with new moms and when I ran the new mom support group, that I had, we talked about babies getting up during the night. And what moms will often do is get up to breastfeed or bottle feed and change their baby, take care of their baby. And then while they're taking care of their baby, they've got their phone on to keep themselves mm-hmm. awake. And I've discussed how that light can be too stimulating for the baby. So to really mm-hmm. encourage your baby to go back to sleep, which and is what most people want too. Right. Yeah. Exactly.
0: Yeah.
1: Um Is
0: to shut that off so mm-hmm. I think
1: they know it affects them but I don't think they realize that it can affect the
0: baby as well right red light is good at night like so if you want to buy a red night light so that mm-hmm. you can see what you're doing without having these bright lights turned on in the room right so you can see enough where you can feed and change the baby's diaper but not stimulate and mess up their, your circadian rhythm mm-hmm. so red light is good at night but I used nice. to with my first I didn't know any better when I had Brooke and I would and this is how like young I, I would get up and watch MTV right <laughs> MTV. Yeah, huh. MTV, back when they played music <laughs> videos, right, right, and they right, would right. loop the same 20 songs in a row overnight, yeah. all night, and then during the day, anytime I heard one of those songs, I'd have a massive letdown. <gasps> oh, my God. That's a and riot. There's like two of those songs. If I hear, I'll get that phantom yep. down feeling yeah. that you get when you're not yep. you or making milk. So yeah. yeah. Oh, that's a riot. <laughs> yeah, I like <laughs> tree <train> my life. <laughs> so you have to see
1: if you play that whole. You should find out what those songs were. Play them in that cycle. if She'll sleep with them, you know, or yeah. See her own. Or response. see if I relax <laughs> Right. Exactly. I'm not gonna do anything but listen to this music. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's a riot.
0: Hey, everyone. I know that having a baby can be a little overwhelming and confusing. If you're looking for a place where you can get all your childbirth prenatal education needs, visit ShellyTaftIBCLC.com. Nicole and I are offering right now an online virtual childbirth education class, a prenatal breastfeeding class, and we're soon launching a prenatal newborn care class and a prenatal sleep education course. So you can learn all about infant sleep even before the baby comes. So I'm going to drop that link in the notes, and you can check it out, and we hope to see you there. Okay, so let's move into the next segment, questions and answers from listeners. Do you want to read
1: the question? Sure, and then I'll let you respond to it. Our question came from a mom asking about her two-month-old baby who had slept through the night two times last week. And she was wondering, the baby is no longer sleeping through the night. She thought that meant the baby was going to continue sleeping through the night. And is it too early to do a cry it out method or a sleep training method with her two-month-old
0: baby? Right. So as a sleep coach, I do not recommend really any sort of sleep training or cry it out method, especially with a Mm -hmm. two-month-old. They don't have the physical or mental neurological capabilities to soothe themselves to sleep. Babies right. are code dependent their codependents. So they rely on their parents to help them regulate their emotions and their sleep. So if they get upset, they don't really calm down until you pick them up. Right. Because they can't they get stuck in fight or flight and they can't bring themselves down. They need our help to do it. So if you're putting a two-month-old in a situation where they're crying and no one is helping them to come and regulate, They don't come down from fight or flight on their own. What they do is they shut down. And this has been backed by hundreds of studies. So what they're doing is in their brain, it's still caveman days, right? They don't know that they're born in 2020. And in caveman days, if you were a baby and you were put down and no one was around to pick you up, you were in trouble. Mm. So you'd cry for help to alert the village or your parents to come and pick you up. And after a while, if you weren't picked up, you would conserve your energy by going to sleep. So it's not that they're learning to soothe themselves or they're learning to put themselves to sleep. What they're learning is like helplessness. And they're learning that, okay, no one is going to come help me. So I might as well just give up and stay quiet. So no predators can find me. It's basically what they're what's going on in their brain. Would yeah. you agree,
1: Nicole? I do agree with that. I don't, I've never been a real fan of crying out crying it out. As a mother, it went against my instincts. I will tell you my last one was difficult. I did have a friend who came and we did spend a day working on that, but she was much older. And we just kind of like, I would go in and soothe, you know, things mm-hmm. like that. I'm not even sure that I can say what I did was the right thing. But with the other kids, I just, I mean, I did, we did none of it. Mm-hmm. And I do think, you know, I agree with their, they're just instinctively behaving. They don't understand. And I think that when we push things on them for our convenience, and I understand how exhausted you are having had five kids that never slept, but they're behaving instinctively. And Mm -hmm. I think that we need to work with them based on where they're coming from. So,
0: yeah, I agree. And things can change as the baby gets older, but two months old is they just don't have the physical capability of doing what you're asking them to do. Yeah. And there are sleep deprivation is a serious thing. And, we don't want to downplay it. And it wasn't really meant to be part of parenting. Right. Our culture has turned it into part Agreed. of parenting because of the way we tell our parents to parent at night and we don't have a village around us That's all the right. time to hold the baby while we take a nap. So it used to be, you know, it was just accepted common fact that babies wake up at night, but here's how you can change your schedule, your day. Yeah. And then it all of a sudden shifted to, no, here's how we change schedule, the baby's right. schedule and the baby's day. And it doesn't right. really work well that way. Right. So if you are severely sleep deprived, maybe you can have a friend come over. Yeah. A postpartum doula. Yeah. An overnight doula. Yeah. If you're breastfeeding, pump out some milk. Um, you'll have to, for two months old, you will have to get up and pump every three hours so your milk supply doesn't drop, but pumping for 15 minutes and then going back to bed, might get you a lot more sleep for a night than staying up with the baby and feeding for 20 to 30 minutes and then changing diapers and then settling the baby back down. Right, I agree. Mm -hmm.
1: I think just get help. You know, I would even say like a neighborhood teenager who is willing to like come over and after school and for an hour and a half, hold the baby so you can take a nap, whatever you have to do because sleep deprivation is a real serious issue, but it should not come to the point of risking the baby's, those early months of development and bonding and emotional Mm -hmm. health. Right. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. So we don't want to downplay your sleep deprivation or anything, but there are other ways to go about it. Agreed. And having the baby cry. Yep. Agreed. That was a great question. Thanks for submitting it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So next up, we are going to be interviewing a, infant massage therapist I know I love that so we'll be right back with that great okay I'm so excited to announce our guest this week Desha Gehani she is a certified educator of infant massage and
2: nurturing touch and founder of tiny touch Desha thank you for joining us hi Shelly thank you so much for hosting me today and I'm very happy to be here I would just like to quickly introduce myself to our audience. So hello, everybody. My name is Dushra Gehani, like Shelley mentioned, and I'm a certified educator of infant massage and nurturing touch. I'm the founder of Tiny Touch, and we're based out of Jersey City. So I basically educate new parents on simple ways how to adapt touch into their daily routine, you know, the importance of nurturing touch for an infant's um overall holistic health and brain development and of course infant massage which uses this vital sense of touch for the first year of an infant's life and of uh, helping them with the amazing benefits that come with it simple ways to make this into a fun routine so we provide our in-person services to our parents in the jersey and new york areas and our virtual services to parents everywhere
0: awesome wonderful How did you choose infant massage as your career? Like, how did you get involved with
2: it? Right. I come from India originally, and uh, I have a background in marketing. I wasn't into this field at all. And it's been a few years that I got certified and I started doing this whole thing. I moved into the United States with my husband a few years back. And um, I always had this in me to kind of do something in this space which would help support parents and babies and uh, I think infant massage is very popular is very well known about in um, the eastern cultures of the world but here in the United States is still gaining awareness and acceptance and a lot of people still need to know about infant massage as a concept about what are the benefits for a child so I felt like since I have this back in the roots why not you know kind of do something in this field, which would actually support parents in a very healthy way. So I thought of doing the certification program and I got certified and I've started my own venture. And uh, currently I'm also studying a few other courses and I'm trying to, you know, get all geared up and try my best to support families in all possible ways. That's Um, awesome.
0: I do feel like in our culture here, I think it's more that like parents are taught that Too much touch or holding is spoiling Spoiling, baby. Right, 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 right. I think the United States has this view where babies should be independent way before they're physically even capable of being independent.
2: Would you agree? Absolutely not. So just to you know, kind of start with touch. Touch is the first sense to develop in the utero. Okay, and it is the most vital sense for a baby's development. A baby will know more about its world, about the people around, about the objects, about every little thing associated with their life through the sense of touch initially. And then after that, they slowly develop, you know, the sense of talking and, uh, of course, you know, communicating with their parents and caregivers and everybody. But the most vital sense is touch, which lays a strong foundation in the years, you know, in the first couple of years. So I would say you must, in fact, touch a baby, you must cuddle, you must rock them, swaddle them, all of it. There's no way you can spoil a baby. I mean, the baby is really little and, you know, doesn't really know anything about the world. The baby doesn't know how to manipulate you. So I feel like as much as you try to hold them, you're kind of helping their brain, the nervous system, all of it to come together. You're helping, you know, you're helping them learn about trusting you. A baby needs to trust your caregivers. You know, it's so important to instill feelings of security and trust in the initial years. And the kind of relationship that you form for your baby, like the first foundation of this relationship is so important for all the future relationship in an infant's life. You know, so the way you wire them emotionally from the start is really important for all their future incidents and occurrences, situations in life. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, and I've definitely seen that in relation to breastfeeding, where parents will often complain that their baby's hands are in the way when they're trying to latch. But as lactation support professionals, we know that that baby is exploring the breast and exploring mom with their hands. And orienting themselves and that that touch of the breast actually helps the mom release pulses of oxytocin to release more milk for the baby. And a lot of parents, I'll see them pull the hand, the baby's hand Mm -hmm. back away and the babies get so mad. And then they get disorganized and disoriented.
2: Like, where did mom go? Right. Absolutely. And, you know, when you talk about skin to skin, it has such amazing benefits for the baby. So, And they do that in the first few hours post-birth because it is so important for the baby to connect with the mother physically from the start and continue this process in the first year of life. I think is very important. Yes. It really helps them to stabilize their heart rates, blood sugar levels, body temperature. And even for the fathers, I would say helps them bond and connect at a deeper level. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. I do think that the benefits are pretty much the same for either parent, right? Except for, with the birthing parent, it helps with the milk supply. Absolutely. And obviously with the partnering. Right, 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 right. <laughs> yeah, of course. And it helps mom to recover too. Yeah.
2: So
1: one of the things, it, you know, talking to you about this reminds me of, I have a daughter who was my last one. She's 15 years old. And I had a shortened breastfeeding experience with her. Um, she only breastfed until she was four months. She was born in April and breastfed her May, June, July, August. So breastfed her for four months. And not actually it was, yeah, it was just about four months. Then she, I had a lot of breastfeeding difficulty with all of my children. And then she was a formula fed baby. And so I had not done any more skin to skin time with her. And I also will say that I suffered from postpartum depression, which I think probably didn't help me to think about how she still needed that skin to skin and that touch. Cause I firmly believe in touch. I'm like, I love touch. Right. And I remember she was just about a year old, she was 11 months old and it was a warm spring day, like March day. And I had a tank top on and normally I'm really fully dressed cause I typically run cold. So I'm like layers upon layers. And I had gone to get her out of her bed in the morning. She saw my skin. This is just exactly what happened. And she was 11 months old. I took her out of her crib and she literally put her mouth and she kept running her open mouth all over my chest and shoulders. And I sobbed. I felt so terrible that this baby had needed. And I will say she was probably my most needy baby and I thought, oh my gosh, I totally missed the boat on the, as much touch as she needed. So not to guilt anyone who's ever gone through that. Cause here I am like, I know babies and I still missed the boat with my own, but I firmly believe in what you're doing. At. This kind of excites me, this topic.
2: I absolutely agree with you, but I would want to add that it's never too late. You can start.
1: I will tell you that from that moment forward, that girl was skin to skin with me for months. I was like, take off all the clothes. I had a girl, but we're getting naked. And like I did, I gave her all the skin and she would orally assess me. That was the crazy thing about it was that she had not breastfed in all those months. And I would every day from that day forward, I made sure she had lots of contact with my skin and she would run her open mouth on my I shoulders, on you. My arm. Doesn't
2: that just, That's oh, wonderful. That's so adorable. You know, they have this sense of smell that they can easily distinguish a mother's breast from that of other mothers. So I feel <sighs> like the skin, the smell, you know, you talking to your baby, all of it put together is so vital for a holistic development. Oh,
0: I think right. that, that sensory input, that being sensory input, with fat, right. Yeah, I think it helps them organize like their central nervous system Mm -hmm. so that they can then use their other senses. Exactly.
2: That's right.
0: Yeah. Okay.
1: Yeah.
0: What do you just teach like general massage or do you ever work specifically with like babies who are having certain issues where you think specific massages might help? Like if if there's trouble with breastfeeding, do you have massages that you might teach a parent to use to improve breastfeeding?
2: Right. Right. So massage, I would say it helps with um, everything. Massage can go with full-term babies. Massage is very beneficial for preterm babies, for any sort of breastfeeding issues, for moms who are suffering with postnatal, postpartum depression. Now, you know, there's no specific massage technique for all these different areas and causes, but massage in general. The basic benefits are that you kind of firstly learn to bond with your baby. That's really important. You learn to connect with them. You learn to understand their non-verbal language, uh, the cues, and respond to your baby with respectful listening. You know, you you learn to respond yeah. to their needs respectfully. So mm-hmm. that's to start with. And then, of course, it helps to soothe your baby. It helps to address common infant concerns like gas, constipation, gastrointestinal cramps, teething, mucus discomfort. Now, these are some basic challenges that parents come across almost every other day on their parenting journey. And um, so that just equips you to handle all of this better. It doesn't, you know, you don't always have to rush to a doctor, you don't always have to resort to medical treatment. Of course, I'm not saying that you know, massage is, a, is, is in itself a medical treatment. What I'm trying to say is that if someone wants to naturally soothe their baby, if someone wants to help their baby through their powerful, gentle touch, then it's the answer to so many more in, infant concerns. And um, when we talk about, like when you were asking about breastfeeding, I feel massage is so important because it helps in the release of oxytocin and feel-good hormones like serotonin, uh, which are important for a mother and baby to bond. And a mother feels closer to their own child. There are feelings of anxiousness and a mother feel overwhelmed on their in the first few months. And it's absolutely all right. But uh, massage is something that will help the baby and the mother come closer and generate these release these hormones in both the baby and the parent. And of course, I would say that for the dad as well. It also helps in the release of anti-stress hormones. By default, the stress levels decrease and um, therefore helping uh, the mother on if she has any sort of anxiety or depression. Mm -hmm. It's a great tool. It's an effective tool for moms as well. And when I talk about uh, massage, I would say, like I already mentioned, it's for all babies. Preterm babies benefit immensely. It helps in weight gain, uh, regulating their body temperatures, stabilizing their blood sugar levels, heart rate. And very importantly, I would say, and this is for all babies, even babies with special needs, because it stimulates the entire nervous system. It helps with the process of myelination. Now, myelination is basically, you know, you have a layer around your nerve cells, which is called the myelin. And the function, the purpose of this myelin is to transmit impulses along the nerve cells. So massage helps to speed up this whole process of transmitting impulses along the nerve cells. And therefore, it is so essential to connect your brain and the nervous system. So that's how they get integrated. That's how, you know, if you touch a baby, the impulses transfer, you know, they travel further fast. You know, they reach the brain. The baby responds to your touch. The baby responds to your voice. And I feel like there are so many connections in the nervous system happening every second for a child that if you can help them in their emotional and physical development at the same time through this sense of touch, why not, right? I mean, it's wonderful. It has so many benefits. And along this process, it's so important to continuously talk to your child, go back and forth with conversations, soothe, sing, because you're kind of integrating it, all together, You know, you're kind of helping them with their verbal uh, language for future development. You're helping them with their non-verbal cues. You're helping them to understand more about their own body. So babies can actually discern between actual touch and observed touch. So what you yeah. do to the child and what you are doing aside of it, even around the baby, the baby can actually pick up through observed touch as well. So you're kind of helping all of this for the child's brain. And um, I feel like brain development is so vital. It's, It's not just about catching on with milestones and, you know, kind of helping the baby with a lot of other things that I feel like parents do look for these days. But I think the foundation is really key. If you can do all of this naturally through these few elements of bonding, I think that's a great start for the first year itself. Yeah,
1: I love that. I do too. It just like listening to you just soothes me because I just so much agree with this. So, my oldest is 29 and a half years old, and I was a young mom. And I remember I loved him so much. You know, it was my first baby, and I would bathe him. I was telling Shelly earlier, I was like an overbather. My baby's got baths every day because I was neurotic, like thinking like they had to be bathed every day. It didn't have to be bathed every day, they didn't have to be bathed every week. But anyway, I was in that mindset. But I loved at the end of their bath, I would lotion them and I would massage them. And to me, it was like loving on them. Okay. You know, it was like, I think I absolutely agree with everything you're saying. I love to hear it from you. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: I do feel like I do. I like, I'm not a massage therapist at all, but I've learned like a couple of massage techniques to show families when the babies are like, for example, if, if the baby is showing some breast rejection, um, doing a little facial massage when the baby's like calm and happy, um, getting the baby used to having the mom's skin like near their face and also just making being with the mom a happy thing right, right, is yeah. one of the things that I'll often suggest is just spend like three times a day just doing some facial massage and um, making it happy and calm and quiet.
2: Right, right. I think that that work wonderful. You know, it's it's great to do that. And, you know, I would say that you don't have to adapt it into a full-blown routine. You don't have to massage your baby for like an hour. It's not like how you massage adults, right? right? It's not that, you know, you go to a spa and you get yourself a body massage. That's not how it works for babies. For babies, it's more like kind of trying to understand what works for them. Try it out on different times of the day. Um, just 15 minutes a day, every day should be perfect. It doesn't have to be like 30, 40, 15 minutes. There's no particular time that you set. You just have to kind of listen to your baby, see their engagement cues, disengagement cues, and accordingly uh, try to fit it into their routine. you You don't have to push your baby. You don't have to force fit it. If you feel like your baby is fussy at that particular time, you could try it again at a different time. Because at the end of the day, you are trying to communicate with your child and you are trying to be uh, responsive to their needs. You know, you don't want to step over what their preferences and needs. So I feel like that's very important. And often parents feel like, OK, you know, right now they're massaging the baby. The baby doesn't like it. And then they don't go ahead and try it on another day because they feel like, oh, the baby's not enjoying it. But the fact is, they're kind of trying it at a different time in the day when they're more like quite alert, responsive, calm, regular breathing, and they're not in the active alert or in the drowsy state, you know, because that's when they're usually fussy with massage. So I think that really helps. Um, and yeah. it doesn't really have to be like you just said, right, changing the diapers, bathing them, you can massage the bottoms, you can massage the legs and arms. And it's just as relaxing and soothing for a baby. So I think the time is important. Yeah.
0: So how would a parent know whether their baby was engaged or disengaged?
2: So you look for your engagement and disengagement cues, like I mentioned. Engagement cues are like if your baby's calm Your baby smiling, cooing, you know, you kind of try to engage with the child and the baby's engaging back with you. And you know, before you go ahead with massage, I always tell parents like you make this swishing sound. So it's like this common pattern that you observe and you know, you say, Do you want a massage? So your baby begins to relate to this and kind of understands that a new process is about to begin. And if you do that like for a few days, you know, they understand that this is something happening. So, like I said, respectful listening and responsive parenting. So you ask them, and you you know you see the response. If the baby's pushing away, or if the baby's cranky, fussy, you know you don't want to push it at that time. So then you kind of try it at a later time, maybe before bedtime or after a nap is also great. Mm-hmm.
0: Do you find that massage
2: helps with infant sleep? Of course, it does. It totally does. Like I said, massage helps to promote calm and regulated infant behavior. It helps to relax the infant overall. And it also helps in producing this hormone called as melatonin. Now, melatonin is a sleep regulating hormone and it is controlled by the circadian system. Now, when you massage a baby, it helps to produce melatonin. So that's exactly why, you know, it would help and influence sleeping patterns and help the baby sleep longer. Mm-hmm.
0: So if a parent were to try to utilize massage to help with infant sleep, I know you were just talking about the time is not important. Just look for their engagement cues. But is there a way that they can incorporate it into like a bedtime routine? Or is that something you recommend?
2: I do recommend that, you know, maybe if bedtime is at 7, 8 p.m. and you see like your baby is showing cues, uh, maybe your baby is drowsy, you could probably start massaging them 30 minutes prior to their bedtime routine. So I think that would really help. And of course, dim lighting, or maybe just soft music. And what I would want to add here is do not use fragrances. Don't use any sort of artificial fragrances, even in terms of the oil, keep it very natural, organic, cold-pressed oil because it not only stimulates an infant, but it also comes in the way of bonding. For a child, the mother's natural odor is very beneficial and it yeah. helps to connect. You know. I love that. Right. Mm. So that's why what I usually recommend is cold-pressed organic oil something that you use in the kitchen it could be a coconut oil or it could be grapeseed oil we strongly want to avoid olive oil because it's very high on olic acid which does not absorb easily into the baby's skin so oils that are rich in vitamin e a k and very low on olic acid high on linoleic acid are usually recommended for a child's sensitive skin
0: That's a great point. Thanks for Love this. That. Yeah, that was
1: really good. I'm like, oh, I like that point. Yeah, I learned mm-hmm.
0: something new. <laughs> so what kind of services do you offer for families?
2: So I usually offer private and group sessions. And uh, my sessions are in a four uh, series bundle, which are conducted once every week for four weeks. So it's like a one hour session every week. And uh, parents can schedule it as per their convenience for a private one-on-one session in person or virtual. And um, for a group session, I usually conduct in person here in the Jersey and New York areas and virtual sessions, again, for parents everywhere. You know, if you have your mama friends and if you want to schedule like a small group session for them with your own baby. So that's something that you could do. And of mm-hmm. course, for a lot of babies who have who are tactile sensitive, infant massage particularly is very beneficial for them as well because they kind of mm-hmm. you know have this aversion to touch and because of which they're losing on to so many other things. So I feel like infant massage would definitely help them kind of stabilize and be more receptive to touch.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: That's it. a great point. When do you recommend parents start? So we... And I would want to add something here. As soon as the baby is born, the baby is born with this cheesy substance on their body, which is called the Vernix. I'm sure you might be knowing about the Vernix caseosa. Now that has antimicrobial properties. It acts as a natural moisturizer for the baby's skin. Now that's something that a WHO recommends leaving on rubbing it and leaving it on for ideally 24 hours. But I think a minimum of six hours is so important. For the baby's skin. So that typically is your baby's first rub, right? And you can actually massage your newborn at the third day following birth. So on the third day following birth is great. But we usually start after two weeks is because parents need that time to settle in, you know, kind of get acquainted with so many things, learn basics of bathing, diaper changing, breastfeeding. So there's so much more to do therefore we start for babies two weeks plus but you can practically start from the third day onwards it's totally cool when you come back from the hospital and if you think you're prepared you are you can go ahead with it Mm -hmm.
0: can we jump back to what you were saying that it benefits premature babies immensely can you talk a little bit more about that
2: right So for premature babies, because they're premature, they anyways have a lot to catch up on compared to full term babies, you know, their nervous system is kind of not even developed as much as the full term babies has. So when it comes to nervous brain, it kind of helps with uh, that immensely. I already spoke about myelination, but there's also one more thing that I would want to talk about is the vagus nerve. Vagus nerve is very important for the digestive system. So when you're stimulating, when you're massaging the baby's body, it's helping the vagus nerve further help with digestion for the premature infant and helps to kind of develop the digestive system better. So that's important. It helps to stabilize their heart rates, blood sugar levels, help them gain weight faster, again, connected to the vagus nerve itself. So these are some basic benefits and I feel like for premature babies, you should kind of continue massaging for about the first seven, eight months would really be beneficial Mm -hmm. because anyways, due to the corrected age, they're kind of, you know, still coping, you know, still catching up with so many milestones. So I would say that the first eight months should work really well.
0: And what do you recommend for when the baby is still in the NICU? I don't know every hospital, obviously, but I know some hospitals, um, the parents are encouraged to be very hands-off and they're kind of given the impression your baby's very fragile and can't tolerate touch. And some providers even say skin to skin. So what would you recommend in a situation like that?
2: For the NICU, I would definitely say as much as skin to skin as possible. I know some hospitals still recommend otherwise, but skin to skin is so important, especially for a preemie. And um, baby wearing is important. Kangaroo care is important. If you can start massage, and I'm kind of, you know, in process of trying to talk to hospitals and maternity homes for the same, but it'll be wonderful to start massage as soon as possible because I feel that shouldn't be risky in the first place. So, you know, so babies, premature babies, of course, they will be sensitive to touch, but then there are different nurturing touch techniques that you use for them. It doesn't necessarily have to be massage because obviously they might, the skin is sensitive and they might be kind of irritable with it. But then there are different nurturing touch techniques, uh, quite a few of them that you use for preemies specifically. Mm-hmm. that it's you know it's examples are like resting hands containment holes kind of just provide them the necessary <laughs> want to have a baby. <laughs> so it just yeah. kind of gives them the necessary warmth mm-hmm. through holding them engulfing your hands cupping them on their body so i think that's important mm mm-hmm.
0: Amazing! I'm so glad that we talked to you because you're just like so full oh of knowledge. Oh my gosh! And it's yes. all related. Like if you are working in the childbirth fields, like some of this is very familiar to me because right. I teach it to families, and it relates to breastfeeding and right. sleep. But even then, there's so much more to it. So I think that every like childbirth provider should have an infant massage therapist Absolutely. that they can their families too and make yeah. it a collaborate a health part of the healthcare team. Absolutely.
2: Absolutely. It has yeah. multiple benefits, I would say. Multiple. And they're like lifelong.
0: Yes. Yeah. To add to that, I'm
1: also thinking about mothers who give birth and how much like touch can be so good for them after giving birth. I just feel I'm a huge supporter of massage and touch. I just happen to I have always loved it. Touch is like my primary love language, um, but I can't help but feel like it just everybody would benefit from it. Um, really?
2: mm-hmm. yeah. It's for I the entire that. family.
1: It really is. Mm-hmm. It is. There's something about it that it, almost nothing else can do, I think.
2: It's the first yeah. language that all of us as humans learn to speak, yeah. you know? So Yeah.
0: Um, yeah. I yeah. love that. Oh, this is great. I was reading uh, one study that suggested that just 15 minutes of massage a day helps a baby grow. Like it was some ridiculous number, like 45% faster. Have you heard of
2: that? Yes. Yes. In fact, thank you for raising that up because I think I kind of skipped with so much in my brain and trying to put (laughs) it out here. So touch, like I said, initially it helps with physical, emotional, and intellectual development. Now- with appropriate touch parents can actually help expedite and actually help develop all of this when you compare the brain size of two infants for example you know one who has received a lot of nurturing touch and for the one who's not received enough touch the brain size is different the brain size of the one that's received a good amount of touch is bigger than the one that is neglected And there's a lot of research that supports it. It's very simple. The brain is where you are helping everything, where you're putting together everything. So I think that says it all. That's Mm -hmm. amazing. And
0: the bottom line is, is that the system works when mom and parent, or parent and baby are together. Right. And encouraged to hold the baby, encouraged to touch the baby. Exactly. That's right.
2: Mm-hmm. and of course i want to add here you were also talking about spoiling initially uh, i also wanted to add the cry it out approach which a lot of parents resort to so they feel like okay the baby's crying and you know let it cry you don't want to kind of spoil them you don't want to go every time and you know uh, hold them uh, it could also get overwhelming for parents of course right. but i would definitely you know strongly not support that because I feel so there's this very scientific very logical thing associated to it Uh, there is this hormone which is called ACTH which is controlled through the nervous system so if the baby is crying excessively the nervous system can shut down there could be a breakdown and you don't want that the baby needs to be held the baby needs to be kind of It's the same way how you would want to talk to your friend and expect the friend to understand that you have a certain problem or you're upset about something, you're unhappy about something, you know. So it's it's the same for a baby and they cannot communicate initially. It's only through the sense of touch that you can actually calm them. So it's very important you pick up the infant when you feel like the baby is unhappy or upset about something and you just hold them, even if they're crying, just... Let them vent it out because crying is like a natural repair mechanism for them as well. And crying is healthy for all of us. But I wouldn't say cried out is healthy where you don't have anybody to listen to you. You know, so your baby is talking to you when they're crying. Your baby is expressing that they are at discomfort. So you hold them, let them cry, be patient and then kind of Rock them, cuddle them, and kind of make them feel better and let them know that you're there for them, you know. So right. that's important.
0: And the studies have shown that the cortisol levels are much even if a baby is crying in arms, the cortisol levels are way lower than right, if they're crying by themselves. Right. Because they're they're crying because they're upset, but they're feeling supported by you. And right. I I think that our culture has this expectation that we put on babies for them to do things that we don't expect to do ourselves as adults. Like, right. If I'm no upset, and I'm, I'm a crier. I cry yeah. about things. Yeah. And if I'm upset me and too. crying, you know, my <laughs> husband knows to come over and give me a hug and to comfort me. Right. And I need that to calm down. So how could I expect a baby who's so much more helpless than I am? That's right. To, to not want that and need yeah. that as well. It's unreal. Is,
2: it's, you know, it's irrational. I would say. <laughs> Mm. absolutely i totally agree with you too
1: oh this is so helpful thank you my goodness i'm glad
2: you want to add i think we've all maybe i haven't spoken of the immunity uh, levels but immunity levels also increase because massaging a baby definitely helps with immunity and it helps to kind of produce killer cells and white blood cells which are so important to fight infections so Again, like I said, just laying a strong foundation for the future years. That's amazing. Wow. Can you
0: share with us, Deisha, where your parents can find you?
2: Right. So you can look me up on Instagram. Uh, my handle is at tinytouchjc. And um, I also have a website which goes the tinytouch.com. Of course, that's also mentioned on my Instagram. So you can find it there. Uh, my contact, email ID, all these information are also provided there. Yeah. So that's basically where... And you're virtual. So of course, I'm matter. virtual everywhere. And I'm currently also providing my services to parents in quite a few other countries as well. So it's not just yeah, the United States. So great. Yeah.
0: Oh, yeah. so good. Okay. Yeah. So if you're listening, I highly recommend yes. you visit her website because Absolutely. this is just all amazing information.
2: Mm-hmm. And through online, I think the world is really small. Virtual has made it so effective and so right. easy to reach so many people. So I think it's right. great. Uh, all right.
0: Well, thank you so much for joining you. us today. I'm
2: glad. Thank you so much for hosting me and I could share my valuable information. Thank you so much. Oh, great. So- Thank you so Great much. Great chatting Take with care.
1: you guys. Thank you. you Bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us this week on the baby pro
0: podcast. Make sure to visit our website, Shelly where you can check out our online parenting community, the baby bistro. You can also follow us on social media at Shelly IBCLC on Instagram. If you love the show, please leave a rating on iTunes so that we can continue to bring you amazing episodes. Thanks for listening and
2: see you in two weeks.